Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations with Z and Vin. Z, today we're talking about shame. And shame is this interesting thing. It's unclear where it comes from, why it exists. We talked a little bit about how shame isn't necessarily about you. It's about someone else trying to control your behavior by making you feel bad about what you've done. Arguably, there's no real point to shame. So we're going to get into this and have a really interesting and fulsome discussion around shame. To start, I wanted to relate one of the stories that you were telling as we were talking about shame. And you mentioned this friend of yours, either friend or acquaintance back in the day, Al Clark. So Al, as you put it, had terrible personal hygiene, looked like he had cheese dripping off his teeth, didn't change his clothes for days at a time. But when it came time to hang out on the weekend, he always had some pretty girl around. He always had some company. He wasn't sitting at home. I guess today you'd be playing video games. I don't know what you were doing back then in the 1920s or whenever you grew up. But <laughs> you had people uh, that you were hanging out with who were trying to get dates and scrambling around. And you had Al who had this steady stream of girlfriends. And no one could figure it out. So one day everyone went to Al and said, Al, man, you got to tell us, what is your secret? You're not that good looking. Your personal hygiene is offensive. What do these women see in you? How do you convince them to hang out with you? And his response is really interesting. He said, it's a numbers game. So yeah, maybe I'm out there and the first 10, the first 20, the first 50 don't want to hang out with me. But that 51st, I'll ask if she wants to take a ride in the car or hang out at my pad. And it's good. She's ready to go. That's what I do. And I don't take it personally either way. So for him, he had no pride. And because he had no pride, he had no shame. Now you hear that sometimes and it sounds derogatory. Like, man, you've got no pride or on the flip side, don't you have any shame? But if you take this very literally, Al was a Buddha. He didn't have any attachment to a particular outcome. He enjoyed living. He enjoyed the process. He didn't define himself by whether the girls he talked to had an interest in him or not. He played the game. He was successful at the game. And that was it. There was no idea about validating yourself based on other people's reaction to you or feeling like a failure or sitting at home crying, saying, what's wrong with me? It's more, okay, fine. You're not interested. Let me move on to the next. And it seems very simple. We hear this at times. Very different, though, than how most of us behave. Because there is a certain element of shame, of 
I would call it an internal expectation of how we want to be. So there's a conception that we have of ourselves that I've got to be smart or I've got to be witty uh, or I've got some persona that I want to project. And if I am not that, or even worse, even if I am that, but people somehow think I'm not that, then my God, I just feel bad about myself and I feel ashamed. And it's interesting to me because it's the flip side of pride. So if you feel proud, then when you are satisfying that image, you feel good about yourself. But the two go hand in hand. You can't have the pride without the shame. So if you have that attachment, when it works out, it's great. When it doesn't and things go awry, you feel horribly about yourself. And at times you feel like you can't even move forward. And this is the real challenge, Z, that we're talking about today. The shame is part of it. The pain is part of it. The real nut to crack is that shame prevents progress. And a lot of times people give up. They're defined by single moments in their lives. They can't get past that. Or even worse, they never even try to begin with because they're afraid that they're going to fail. Or they try, and it just becomes so hard to try, not because it takes that much actual effort. The weight of the emotion gets you down, and that's such a burden that you shut yourself in. And it's no way to live. We want to go out there. We want to get off our ass Try. If you fail, try again. If that doesn't work, pivot. Move in a new direction. But keep on moving. That's what life is about. It's about progression, about personal growth, about evolution. At the very least, it's about experience. You don't want to shut yourself down so you can't even experience what life has to offer. And with all of that, you would think we would have some awareness of shame that we'd be able to look at it and say, hey, does this really do me any good? If not, why am I holding on to it? But we don't. And maybe we don't because it's deeply ingrained and religious institutions create a sense of shame or parents sometimes will create shame to keep their kids in line. Maybe we carry that around. Or maybe we don't realize the link between pride and shame. So we're very happy on the pride side, but that inevitably leads to shame. And again, you can't have one without the other. So, Z, let's kick this off. Let's get your take on this topic. What is this shame thing all about? Uh, talk to us about where it comes from and what it does to us when it becomes overwhelming. Well, Vin, I'd like to start with this idea that whatever we do here in Dharma Media on the Dispassion Observer is to help you know, all of our folks out there build their own life practice. Understanding the, the good, the bad, the indifferent narratives that we come up with, the mal-narratives we come up about life. And I always like to use classical philosophy. I was sharing here with, with Caitlin a minute ago, we were just looking up the definition of shame. And from the Vedic point of view, there's some real basics and I'm going to share those first and then I'll get into it a little bit more. It says if regret is overly intense about a particular event, it can be hard to cope with and to move forward. Events can be avoided, but we take ourselves wherever we go. 
Here, the regret is based on a fear that we will be personally judged by others. Think about that. Shame, the fear that you will be personally judged by others. Lack of self-ownership, the lack of self-ownership creates that. Um, if our regret is rooted in delusion about who we are in relationship to others, beings in the world and around us, think about that. Pride. You're so prideful that you're looking at your status, your delusion about your status amongst others, and the realization that makes you feel bad and you withdraw. That's shame. Shame is also considered in the Vedas a lack of empathy, pridefulness. Shame inhibits self-knowledge. We are external souls and so our nature consists of externality, perfect knowledge and bliss. When we are saddled by shame, our consciousness is directed to identify with the body and mind, furthermore with the unhappiness aspects of them. That gets into the shame of how you look, the shame of your role, the shame of your status and it motivates people and drives pride. So you look at shame and pride are, are two ugly twins that feed off one another. Shame and pride. Shame and pride. We have terms about shaming people. And it doesn't work. It's a another one of these false ideas going around that you're shaming people. And you shame them. What you're really doing is through mob appeal and mob attachment creating rejection models for different people who are outside of the mob. Doesn't really work. It, it creates a lot of anonymity, it creates a lot of anxiety, it creates a lot of hatefulness. But it also causes people who are doing things that are against the flow of society to simply hide what they're doing. Every day you hear these stories, oh, I hope this politician we're going to shame them so they'll be, feel bad about how history will look upon them. Do you really believe that these people care about what history will say about them? You think that they, they're ashamed of their behavior because after they're dead, books will be written about them? They'll be dead. They don't care. Shame is when you don't know yourself. Shame is when you look outside of yourself and you care about what your role is with with people who probably don't care about you anyway. The worst type of shame is the shame that comes from lack of self-knowledge, the delusion of the self. So you want to go to a, 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 a frat or a sorority and they tell you you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, and you walk around feeling rejected and ashamed. That's because you don't know yourself, you don't like yourself. Like Al Clark, Al Clark loved himself. He was dirty, stinky. He didn't care. He didn't care at all. Because you know what? He went on and lived a wonderful life, had an amazing wife and children, and instilled in them self-ownership. And then we assigned to him whatever metrics we did, but he never bought that. He was never affected. Maybe he had some sort of syndrome. I don't know. 
You have other times that maybe you didn't live up to something you wanted to live up to and you're imagining in a delusion that other people are looking at you. Isn't that what many of the religions are based on, that there's this invisible spaghetti monster deity that can see you while you're in the dark, watching you on the toilet or whatever it is, and, and so you don't even poop hard because the spaghetti monster is watching you, judging you, and that would be shameful. There are religions that do that. There are philosophies that do that. And I would say for those of us who are striving to build a life practice, let's look at the things we're ashamed about and then sort that out. Are you ashamed that you didn't show up for someone? Well, you know what? How you prevent that is don't give your word if you can't keep it. Because it's not the shame of not showing up. It's the cowardly act and the lie that hurts. The shame masks the ability to improve yourself. Are you ashamed that you weren't heroic at a particular moment? Well, heroes aren't born in a moment. Everyday kindness is part of the growth of a hero. It says, as it said in the Veda, shame is the lack of empathy. Let's think about what that means. Shame is the lack of empathy. So you look at someone suffering or going through something and you don't see yourself. The empathy is to be able to feel and, and project and to see and to reflect upon a person your own feelings. So your heart is cold and empty and you have the realization of your emptiness. That's shameful. The lack of empathy. Now let's say you have a lot of empathy, but you also realize the limits of your ability. You don't feel shame, you feel sad. You feel helpless. But you don't feel the shame because the minute you feel shame, you hide. You withdraw from duty. You commit the sin of, with, of doing something without virtue. That's shame. You're ashamed at something. You go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis of something. And you want to hide it. Don't, don't tell anybody. Think about how ridiculous that sounds. Who are you going to tell anyway but people who love you and would come and support and have empathy for you? You don't do it because you don't have empathy for them. That, it's really, you're, you're really reflecting upon your own lowness. Somebody comes and says, hey, I, I think I, I, I'm going to have to have knee surgery. Oh, shame to tell anybody. Well, you don't have to tell everybody. Nobody, most people don't care. They've got their own things going on. But hopefully the people you do share it with care about you. That's empathy. Because you've gotten something that endeared them to you. Shit, Caitlin, everybody came in. She told she had cancer. She didn't give a shit. Everybody yeah. walked in the door. Random people walking there. Hey, I got cancer. She raised about a million dollars. I, but I felt like at first, though, like I was... That you messed up? Yeah. That I was just like, oh, shit, I don't want to be a burden on anybody, but now I can't... But that's not shame, is it? Take care of myself. Were you ashamed? Um, no. I did blame myself, though. Yeah. But that's not shame, is it? I don't know. Is it, Vin? I don't think that that's shame. The way that I would 
think about it is that you can feel that you did something wrong. You can assess the situation. And maybe what you did contributed to whatever the outcome was. Maybe it was something that, in retrospect, you shouldn't have done. Shame to me is feeling like there's something about you that's defective. So it's less about I did something and I fucked up and that particular action was wrong versus there's something inherently wrong with me. Like I'm just not good enough or I'm not attractive enough uh, when I go to this sorority party and there are all these other beautiful girls around and why am I so fat? It's a sense of or maybe a lack of intrinsic worth coupled with a sense that there's nothing you can do about it. And maybe that's where the danger comes in with the shame because uh, it's not so much that you're assessing yourself. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you are fat and that's okay. Uh, if you're good being fat, don't worry about it. If you're not happy being fat, maybe you realize it. Maybe that spurs some action. Maybe there's some embarrassment in a situation. Uh, but you can take action. You can correct. You can continually adjust so that whatever life you're living, as you put it, Z, is consistent with your own standards. Uh, to me, the aspect of shame that's so dangerous is that we've got these weird standards that we pick up as we talk about from the faceless committee. It's like, who makes this shit up? Who says and tells you that you should feel embarrassed if you have cancer or you should feel bad because you want to be an artist instead of an engineer? That's something that someone has told us. We've never critically examined it and therefore we feel defective and there's nothing we can do about it because guess what? We have cancer. We can't go and change the past. Or we love art. <laughs> we're painters. We're musicians. We can't change that aspect of ourselves. But because we're not owning that and we're judging our value based on what other people have told us, there's this conflict. And it's a conflict that weighs on us. It's also one that we're never going to resolve. Uh, so that becomes really dangerous. And the solution, it seems, is to take that ownership of yourself, to figure out some way to like yourself, to change your standards. It's a lot of what we talk about, but Z, what's your take on this? I mean, am, am I, yeah, if this resonates, maybe just expand on this. How can, how can we start doing that and correcting this gap between who we think we should be versus what we really are? Well, again, let us remember that shame and pride are both two evils. They are both two evils. They feed off one another. And that union, that union of the damned, damns us. Because it's always tied in with pride. There is no shame in a mistake or a mishap. That's why it's called a mistake or mishap. You did not intentionally do that. It becomes a learning opportunity. And in most civilized places, we have room for that, no matter how egregious the mistake is. We want to address it, and then we learn preventative measures from that. It is when you withdraw from duty, it is when you have false commitments, when you worship the emptiness of pride, when you look outside, when you're in the delusion, as it said in the Vedas, when you're delusional, not illusional, delusional, a negative illusion based on what do these people think of me? 
What do I think of others? And that's where the empathy part comes in that makes you buy in to the delusion. If you have true empathy for the root of self, for the yin, for the earth, for the mother of self, then that mother gave birth to many things. Not all of her children are the same. Not all the outgrowths of the cosmic mother look the same, act the same. Not every plant is the same, but each one of them provides something we need or benefit from. So when you buy into, as we always talk about, the standards of the faceless committee, the full reward of being a part of, then you lose yourself. Each time you lose yourself, each time you get away further and further away from the divine science of living. We can see it now in the twilight of the Kali Yuga that we live in. We have flipped it upside down where things that were once shameful are now prideful. I always talk about the number one internet person is licking toilets. A few years ago, that would have been a shameful act. Now it's a, it's a prideful act, and others want to join in. Others want to enjoy. You have shameful politicians that are now prideful. You see how shame and pride are both evils. They're both wicked. None of them are sustainable or renewing or filled with empathy and good-heartedness. So as we work on ourselves, we reject one and we starve the other. Reject pride and starve shame. Religious institutions have taught people shame around the world. They've normalized shame. They have terms like modesty, right? What the hell is that? Modesty to who? I've seen bizarre things that, that if you sit back with an open heart and empathy, you'll say, how the hell did this come to be? You know how they used to tell women they should dress a certain way so it wouldn't arouse men? I mean, just think about that. So if a woman dressed a certain way, it was a shameful way of dressing. They used to say that. She dressed, she's shameless. Has anybody ever stopped to think about what that means? You see little kids playing and running around. They're butt naked. They'll piss anywhere. They'll do whatever they got to do and they go back to playing. Who turned a natural act into a shameful act? Then who bought it? So the pedophile is watching children getting aroused, watching them relieve themselves. Then we decide that we must adjust the children and not the creep who's watching them that gets aroused. It's a hot day, a woman wants to wear whatever she wants, and we tell her, no, you must bear the heat. You think about, look, I have nothing against anybody's religion. I have something against all religions, okay? I was in Saudi Arabia. Have you ever been there, any of those places? It's hot as shit. Just, it's like sitting in an oven. Just open your, if you want to be feel like what it's like in Saudi Arabia, sit in front of your oven on a hot day. That's what it feels like. And I see these women running around in beekeeper suits. 
And they say, oh, that's modest, that's modest, so it won't get the men worked up. How about the men wear a beekeeper suit so they won't see anything that gets them aroused? And how about if you get aroused that you don't act on it? That you have enough fortitude, enough empathy not to go ape shit. Nobody ever says that. But they talk about shame. The shame patrol. You're shameful. As opt-outs, we don't buy into that. We don't participate in it. And what that allows is for you to have open conversations. You have to, it allows you to have deeper interactions with people. Because those deep interactions, those, they lead to deeper connections. You can say things and share things with people that elevate you and elevate them. You can grow a more soul, soulful community within your own life. So for, for, for the opt-outs, we must reject the evil twins of shame and pride. And you can see the disease of society. Right now, there's an epidemic of obesity. You can't shame people into dieting, but you could explain to them without it going from pride to shame. You see what happens? It goes from pride to shame. Oh, I'm proud to be grossly obese and diabetic with health problems. I'm proud I'm going to be on the cover of magazines and I'm going to yell at people that this is just the natural way I am because I've, I've, I've been eating um, steroid-laden foods and, and phytoestrogens and all this and now I've bloated up like uh, something out of a science fiction movie and I'm proud of that. And if you say anything other than that, I'm going to make you ashamed of not liking me. But in order for me to be ashamed of that, I need to want to be liked by the people that like you. Look at the quagmire of ignorance we found ourselves in. Obesity is a problem. Bad food is a problem. Genetically modified goods and foods are problematic. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be proud of. Just be aware. So reject the evil twins. The legion of the damned. And let steady intelligence navigate you away from both of them. Who needs pride? Proud of what? I'm proud of my race. I'm proud of my gender. Gender pride week. Gender pride. Isn't that personal? Do you really have time to run around being proud of different things? And then because the pride comes with shame. Because if it falls, I'm proud of my team, then they lose. Oh, I'm ashamed of my team. How about just support your team? So I support the White Sox. They'll never win a pennant. But you know what? They're down the street. The popcorn and peanuts are great. And it's a good place to hang out with friends. Go team, go. Eh, how about that? I love a loyal fan. Good days, bad days. The loyal fan has little pride and no shame. You ever notice that? In sports, right? 
What's a losing team that everybody likes? Um, White Sox or something? Who is it? Red Sox? Who is White it? Sox have won. Um, or did they? The Bears? Yeah, yeah, go. Go the Bears! This would be the perfect... Go Bears! They, they're never going to make it, but they've got a steady, like, Chicago... Look. And that's better than everything. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. People would kill you for the Bears. Right, right. Bears t-shirts. I think I got a Bears t-shirt. <laughs> they have a snowball's chance in hell of winning any damn thing. But you know what? They're not too proud to lose and not ashamed when they lose. So they're still in the game. We'll wake up one day and you know what? The only team left is who? The Bears. <laughs> That's how life works. Yeah. Right? Just flowing through life. Because what's the journey all about? Wouldn't you be happy? Say, you know, I used to play with the Bears. People say, who? Yeah, I was on the Bears. That's great. What did you do? Nothing. At least I played. That was fun. I had fun in life. I wasn't ashamed. I wasn't all pride. I just had fun. Wouldn't that be great? What do you think, Ben? Well, it's interesting. You touch on a couple of points. One is when you get down to it, it's so arbitrary what we're ashamed of, what we take pride in, is you just talked about pride and shame flip. So licking toilets goes from something to be ashamed of to something like, wow, I'm so proud of. Having sex with a lot of women and showing it off on your cell phone and playing Harry Potter-inspired games to get that married woman that no one else can get that used to be maybe a sense of shame. Now it's pride. Now you're under attack from all sides. So maybe you're ashamed. Maybe you actually don't care, but you got to play the game. And that leads to the other point that um, observing as we're talking about this, it's just so much drama that we get involved in for no reason. Because you got people who are feeling bad about themselves to begin with. That has a cost. And then as you're talking about, Z, you've got the shame police, which is out there. And that feeds into things that we've talked about on prior podcasts around cancel culture, who's allowed to say what, to whom, when. If you say the wrong thing, the shame police come out and tell you, oh, my God, how dare you attack us? How dare you attack a certain group? I was reading... There was a whole article. It was about, uh, you know, I forget who the specific actors were, but some woman who's on the Board of Education somewhere, black woman, and she was talking about how Asian, the Asian-American community are like house Negroes because they haven't come out and supported the black community. And they've been too concerned about being model minorities. And a lot of people have made the same point. I didn't think it was so bad. It's at least something to listen to. But because she used that term, there was an entire article that was written about how she shouldn't be allowed to have the job, how she should resign, implicitly how she should be ashamed of herself or we should be ashamed for supporting someone like that. So this whole 
notion of pride and shame leads to this weird dance where you've got people who are after other people who are trying to tear other people down. And then as we talked about earlier on the pride side, which again is the flip side of shame, you see a different sort of pathological behavior. You need to assert your position. You need to declare who you are. I'm a patriot. I'm an American or whatever you are. I'm a a tough New Yorker. I'm a conservative and I've got no interest in a liberal mindset or vice versa. And that pride is interesting because we often think of pride as a good thing. It's different than feeling good about yourself. So feeling good about yourself, owning yourself, that's something we should all aspire to. But this feeling of pride, which is because of these associations or affiliations I have, these give me value and it makes me better than everyone else around me. And to prove to myself that they have value, anyone who's not what I am, I've got to beat up, I've got to tear down. And it destroys relationships. It leads to insane decisions. You think about the cost of patriotism and all the wars that people go into that are stoked by politicians, thousands, probably millions of lives lost because we're proud and we can't back down and we've got to send a message. It short circuits rational thought. It prevents the exchange of ideas because suddenly you're declaring your affiliations. And anyone, not only are you declaring your affiliations, anyone who doesn't fit into that category, you're being hostile to. So why would they listen to you? You're starting out relationships from a confrontational standpoint. That, of course, has a cost. That's going to make it harder to get to know people. Even if you want to change someone's mind, they're not going to listen to what you say because they feel like they're being attacked. So it's really this odd dynamic. There are costs at so many levels. We started off this conversation talking about how shame costs us because we can't evolve. We can't pick ourselves up and try something new and and just go through life having fun, as you put it, versus trying to be something or proving that we are something. That's a huge cost. The other cost is just all this time that we spend, this drama, these false standards that people throw at us. And I've got to imagine that the reason some of that exists is that we buy into it. Because there are people who either are ashamed or we pretend to be ashamed or we think we should be ashamed and we get up and we apologize. And that devolves and we end up in this world where there are no objective standards for anything. What's prideful and what's shameful is just what whatever the masses say at that particular moment. And if we transgress, then we get up and we apologize, even though we don't actually mean it. We feel bad about ourselves. We don't really know why. As I'm talking about this, Z, I'm getting uncomfortable. I mean, my skin is crawling. I'm just thinking, what what do we devolve into? We just devolve into, into complete madness. And This touches on a lot of themes that uh, we've been talking about recently, but shame seems very central. This alternation between pride and shame seems to be the enabler of a lot of these dynamics in terms of uh, cancel culture, uh, in terms of buying into other people's standards. So the solution, as we've talked about, has got to be own yourself, 
set your own standards, feel comfortable with what you're doing, take a dispassionate view. And if you're not living the way that you should, evolve. But don't get mired in the sense of regret or this this whiny loser mentality that, oh my God, I'm just not good enough and there's something wrong with me and why can't I be something else? Yeah, it's... Uh, I think I'm depressing myself, see, <laughs> sitting here talking. Maybe you can rescue me and add some optimism to our conversation. Well, I'm going to reflect on case-by-case case things you talked about. And I, I want to go to the middle path for people so that you never get yourself um, pigeonholed in pride and shame. And remember, pride and shame live together. So, and, and, and shame is about the delusion of self. So you talked about the woman who did the article about the model minority thing. Did anybody ask, hey, is there anything to it? Well, we know that the whole concept of model minority means that you position yourself on the, the, non, the non-impact side of the firewall of racism, right? You come here, you get on the white side of the fence, you can't get all the way on the white side, but you just don't want to be on the black side of the fence. You don't want to take the blows. And you want to let everybody know that you're you're not on the other side of the fence. So you kowtow, you adjust your name, you dye your hair, you keep your head down, you don't make any waves, you observe human rights abuses, you make no comment. We just pin down and when somebody wants to point out the shame of human rights violation, they can then point to you pridefully and say, see, see those foreigners, see those other niggers, they're doing well, they're doing great. They complied, they went along with everything. And if you do that, there's a, a reward, there's a small token that eases your path. Just don't hold your head up. Don't be too loud. Go along with things and you'll do well. But then somewhere in that, you get proud of your position. But your position isn't based on your own efforts. It was based on the suffering of others. Now you feel ashamed. That humanity rears its ugly head and now you're ashamed of yourself and then you start flipping the coin. And now it's your turn. 9-11 happens or the, the Wuhan flu comes around and now you're on the other side. You realize how close to that firewall you are and you're taking hits. But there's nobody really listening to you because you did something out of pride that now you're ashamed of. Then this hapless woman speaks up and says, hey, here's what I've observed and everybody's observed the same. And uh, maybe it's an opportunity of reckoning. We don't want that because it's personal responsibility. Let's talk about patriotism. I'm really proud of the troops. Even the troops that raped and murdered women and children, men, women, and children. You're proud of William Calley? My Lai Massacre? Are you proud of the human rights abuses? Are you proud of 
intervening in the businesses of a country that meant you no harm? Are you proud of keeping going along with things that created a refugee crisis around the world that's forcing people to flee their homes? You're proud of that? And you say you're a God-fearing person? How about not be proud of it? How about just honor each individual's journey? I'm a veteran. I signed up for the free college. I always reject when people say thank you for your service. I didn't do it for a selfless reason. I wanted my tuition paid. My business was killing and business was good. In exchange for that, they paid my college. I didn't agree with a lot of things going on, but I signed a contract and I say I will fulfill my duty to this contract I've signed with the U.S. government. But I also have a deeper duty to my own soul. So I was often in trouble because there are certain things I wouldn't do. Not proud of it, not ashamed of it. Did what I had to do. Each of us needs to be okay with ourselves. You spoke about this idea that people run around uh, talking about what they're proud of. You ever notice how solemn a great athlete is once the crowd is gone? Because they return to the, 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 the field of growth the very next day. The great runners, the great Formula One drivers, the great swimmers. After everybody's cheering, they go right back to the quiet of the 4 a.m. doing the laps at the pool. So for them, it's empty. The pride is empty. It's the journey that's beautiful. And so when they lose, they lose with great pride. Or I say they, they lose free of pride and, and angst. And they win the same way. For the prideful person, they're, they're, they're always bothered by the great champions when they meet them. I remember years ago meeting Rayford Johnson. He had won the de Olympic decathlon, I believe, in 60 or 64 or something. And what a sweet soul. There was nothing about him that indicated I won. Nothing about him. There was nothing about him that depicted that, but he's one of the greatest people you'd ever meet. The most achieved athlete. So much to share, but just people would describe him as simple. Because we don't understand when a person doesn't wave the flag of pride and shame. And again, I think about patriotism and what that, does it mean uh, waving a flag on the back of your pickup truck while you coal roll and spit out carbon gases? Is it to out pride your neighbor? Is it a pride test involved? And if you don't pass the pride test, then you're shamed. How about not participate in any of that? How about each of us do our best, as the Tao says, do our best and walk away? And like I said, when I was in the military, I was never moved by the propaganda. I was never moved by because I knew better. I talk to people now, and it's come out, of course, that what most people are saying, the Vietnam War was just horrible, just horrible, made up. Trace it right down to a few individuals that profited from the suffering of thousands. 
And it was really hard for people to let go of the pride because they went from pride to shame. How about just say we were duped? I bought into something that I probably shouldn't have bought into. And maybe use that as a learning opportunity. So I, maybe I should ask questions. Had people asked questions about Vietnam other than going from pride to shame? The U.S. would not be in the Middle East now, and they'd probably be on, be on Mars and figuring out how to move at the speed of light with the resources that were spent in these useless wars of pride and shame. Well, you can't get out of the war because it would look bad. Think about how crazy that is. I can't get out of the war. We got to keep, we got to stay in an endless war because if we pull out, it would look bad. What? It would look bad. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a shameful act. For who? The guys getting killed? The guys fulfilling their duty? Mindlessly fulfilling their duty? Who would be ashamed of that? Would it be the, the children of these GIs? Would they be ashamed that the war start, stopped and their fathers and mothers came home? Would they be ashamed? Who would it be? The people who have never, ever risked anything for the empty patriotism they hold. Bumper sticker patriotism. Flag-waving, t-shirt-wearing patriotism. Think about it. How pride and shame has brought nothing good to our society. Are you proud of your country for what? You're proud of your country, but you don't like the people in it. How dysfunctional is that? How insane is that? America's a good country not a great country. China's a good country, not a great country. Because good, bad, great, and not great are all relative terms. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's bad. It's like a marriage. It's like a relationship. It's like a family. You may love your family, but not everybody in your family is somebody that you, you feel good about. But you learn to deal with them because you're in your family. And some people in your family are shameless and prideful. But it's really how you navigate it. So for us opt-outs, we think that way. It is not to demean. It is to just strive for the middle path. The pride you hold is equal to the shame that is buried, waiting to raise its head. What if instead of saying, I'm proud of my country, say I'm going to be a good countryman in this place that I live, in the arm's reach of my neighbor and my reality, I'm going to create a nice world to live in to the best of my ability. And if I fall short of those aspirations, there will be a piece in my heart that I did my best. 
There's no shame or pride. There's no success or failure. What if I saw the world as my home that I share with many people who are not like me, who see the world different than me, who are raised different? But we all need air and sunlight. And for that, I find familiarity. I find something in common. How about that? So I don't have to wave my flag harder than you wave yours. I don't have to tell you which way of governance is better than another. So when my way of governance collapses, well, it happens all the time. Say so you're proud of communism and then it doesn't work out. Oops. Let's say you're proud of capitalism and environment falls apart. Doesn't work out. What if you were neither proud nor shamed by any of that and just said, hey, we're, we're in process. We're in the flow of things. And I want to stay in the flow. Some days are good days. Some days are bad days. Some days we'll have festivals and some days we'll have funerals. And in between those, we'll just live the best life we can without shame, without pride, but with the divine glow, the cosmic glow. For this short journey, I'm glad to be here with you. And I hope you enjoy me like strangers on a train. I remember taking a train ride through India and you would sit with people in the first class sleeper car. You'd feed, Strangers would sit and you'd sleep in the bunks across from one another. People you never met. All of a sudden you're spending the night with on, a, on the first class sleeper. And the conversations you would have will stick with you for a lifetime. Simple conversations that were founded in a shared journey. I still remember those. I still look at the tape sometimes. The things that I learned, the comfort I felt. I'm in a small room on a train with strangers sleeping above and below, conversing, sharing a meal on a journey together. No pride, no shame. You follow me, Ben? I'm going to pick up on two words that you used, or two phrases. One is around emptiness, and the other, the converse of that, is the divine glow. When I think about pride and shame, it's interesting as we're talking. It reminds me a lot of our discussions around identity and how we're always trying to define ourselves. And in those definitions, we grab onto whatever we can. And that becomes who we are, and that becomes a source of meaning. So it's, I'm wealthy, I'm athletic, I'm always a winner, I'm a great salesman, whatever the hell it is. And that inevitably fuels a sense of pride. Conversely, as we've been talking about, it's going to create anxiety because you're afraid that it might fall apart. Eventually, it'll also lead to shame if conditions change or your standards change. And the question in my mind is, why do we go through that exercise to begin with? It seems that we do so because of this emptiness, because we don't have substance. If we own ourselves, 
if we live a life of substance where we have clear standards, where we go throughout our day, we feel good about what we do. We feel good about the people that we touch. We fulfill our duty, even when it's painful and tedious. We go to bed at night and we say, that was a good day. I like myself. There is a reason to my existence. That substance carries us forward. That substance is a divine glow. And it doesn't require pride or shame. The pride or shame comes when we don't have that. And when we try and fill that void. So we create this identity based on all these these labels and designations and things that other people have told us. And what happens? Uh, we live in a fluid world. Eventually, it collapses. Eventually, we're going to feel some pain. And we're going to feel the other side of that. And it's what you said, Z, in that example about war. It really is insane. It prevents us from evolving. We get very trenchant and we have to defend whatever position we took because you're either in the pride bucket or the shame bucket. You don't want to be in the shame bucket. So you got to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're proud of. Even if it's crazy, even if you get new evidence around it, even if in retrospect, it's something you wouldn't have wanted to do because it's become a part of you, you've got to defend it or you've got to feel that shame. And that's a very unpleasant feeling. So maybe it is as simple as the middle path that you've been talking about. I mean, if I have to sum up the conversation, we've talked about a few antidotes to this pride-shame duality. One is owning yourself, setting your own standards, opting out of everything the Faceless Committee told you. So that's important. Along with that, do your duty. Fulfill your obligations. Leave nothing undone. That leaves no room to feel that you've erred or feel that you haven't lived up to your word. So that's going to reduce a certain amount of conflict. And then the rest of it is enjoy the experience. Uh, the journey is all we have. The destination that we're all going to is death. That's the only destination in life. So enjoy the process. And as we try and hold on to things it's impossible to do. We can't hold on to definitions or attributes or conditions because the world continuously changes. So the best we can do is go along for the ride and have some fun along the way. So that's it for me, Z. Those are my thoughts. Anything you want to add? Well, Vin, you just said something. You know, we we'll, we will, in order to, as we end our life, as they say, rest in peace. How about live in peace? Peace with yourself. People have often lightly criticized me because they said, Z, I want to tell you a secret, but I don't know if you'll keep it for me. Don't tell me then. Don't tell me anything that you're not at, at peace with. And take examples from popular social icons in the Kali Yuga. There was some girl years ago and they leaked a, a, a sex video of her. All of them achieved great success from that sex video. Something that was at one time shameful now brought them not only pride but wealth. They took pride in it. They ended up marrying other celebrities and, and, and making uh, billions of dollars. What do we learn from that? There are so many, so many different ways that we can look at that. Be at peace 
with who you are. Avoid both pride and shame. Be as transparent first with yourself. As you said, fulfill your duty. Whatever it is, if you get busted doing it, own it. Do it with virtue. That is in the Vedas, the only sin is to do whatever you do without virtue. If you're a thief, own it. Because there are thieves that we admire. Look at all government officials. Look at bureaucracy in itself that we look up to. It's a mess. It's horrible. It's, it, it, it's just a disease. But we look at it with pride. Yeah, I, I work for the Bureau of the Bureau of Bureaus. What the hell is that? The Bureau of Bureau of Bureaus? Yeah, you got to fill out some papers and we'll check you out. And we look at that and that gives, that sounds authority. That person's proud of their job and you get to the gist of it. They're not really doing anything for humanity. And then when finally, when the Bureau is shut down, they parade the people through town in shame. This guy worked for the Bureau. Look at these government officials. How about just opt out of all of that? Think about when you talk to people. Don't have things going on in your life that if it came out, it would devastate you because whoever you hang out with rejects you. Be like those uh, internet chicks who got busted for whatever and they made a fortune. Hey, own it. Just whatever it is, own it. And if you don't want to own it, don't do it. It's that simple. But if you if, if you give yourself over to the delusion, an idea that others will like you or dislike you, and you define your life by that, then you are a slave to the evil twins of pride and shame. All right, Ben? Yeah, that's right. That last piece of advice is great. Own it. And if you don't want to own it, don't do it. Step out of the trap. Opt out. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.